Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this Lord's Day, and we come and we rejoice. For those of us here who know Christ, we thank you that we are part of a body. It's not a body that we have formed, and this is not, we're not doing all these things because we have formed this. This is what you have formed. This is your church. And so we come with you, Christ, as our head, as our all, as our Lord. We worship you with all we are this morning. You have made us your people. And so we are part of a people. We are part of a family that we call each other and we call one another brothers and sisters because we are part of a kingdom that will not fail or falter, but will go on forever and ever and ever. We're part of that family. And so we are family here for all who know Christ. And so we come and we gather this morning as those who love the Lord. And perhaps there are some here who don't love the Lord and they don't know the Lord and they need the Lord. And so we come before your word that you have given, Lord, that all may hear it, all hear or anywhere that we would live for Christ as those who are children of Christ, going and making disciples of Christ. And so help us this day, this morning, as we long to live for you, Lord, with all we are. We pray for those who aren't longing for you and they don't know you. We ask that you would work in their hearts this morning in helping them to see the truth of the gospel, to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus and who he is. They were made for him. May they look to him this very day and tarry no longer. We pray for our nation, O Lord, as we recognize that this is 9-11. And we know the events that happened, what, 20 years, 21 years ago. And how grievous they were. And how all of our hearts were broken. And how many came in the droves to church, among whom I was not one of them. And we pray for our nation. We pray for all those who ran to church who did not come to Christ. And they quickly ran out of the church just as quickly. We pray for our nation in the midst of those grievous events that happened on 9-11. We pray that you would lead our nation to Christ. You would have mercy on our nation. You would open its eyes to the gospel. You would help it to see the truth and no longer be held captive and under the sway of the devil and his lies. But they would be free and they would have life, and we would go and tell them. We thank you for our nation, Lord. We thank you for the freedoms that we experience, and we thank you for the many blessings that we know of. We thank you that you have kept it up until now, and we pray that you would indeed bring our nation 
to its knees in repentance and faith in your Son. And we also pray this morning that you would help us as we turn to your word. Help us to receive your word today. Help us to come with ready hearts to receive it wholly, fully, completely. We pray for your hand and your work in our hearts and our lives. For your name's sake, we ask all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 22 through 25 this morning. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Now, as I was pondering this passage this week, I started asking myself, you know, how many mirrors do we have in our home? It may not make any sense to you yet, but you'll know in a moment when we read it. (laughs) But I think off the top of my head, I thought of at least five mirrors that we have, not including, you know, hand mirrors and so on. I guess that probably all of us, you know, whether you have a house or apartment or whatever you have, you have at least one mirror in your home or apartment or whatever you have. But more than likely, you probably have more than one mirror, (laughs) you know, maybe a number of mirrors, maybe even more than five. And so it seems to me that it matters that we know what we look like, right? It matters that we know how we appear. We even know what we look like as we maybe come to church. We know that when people see something, they're going to see this, you know, This is what they'll see. I know what they're going to see. We know how we will appear to other people. Now, there are various reasons that you might be here this morning. It could be that you're here expecting that this service will be something like that, like a mirror, maybe. You know, it just just reflects you, you know. You know, so your tastes, your desires your hopes, your preferences. You know, you want that. You want whatever goes on in this building, you want it to reflect you like a mirror. And maybe that's what you're expecting this morning, that it would do that. Or it might be that you come expecting to see reflection, you know, of a small church. It's a small church, so I expect a small church. You know, you want to see that reflection. Or maybe you, you've been to other churches and you've heard all kinds of ways that they preach the word, and you want a trendy word that reflects the culture. You want that reflected from the service, the music, the preaching, and so on. Or maybe you want, and your expectation is that when you come here, that you will find a people that will reflect you, that they are just like you. And if they're not, you might not ever come again. (laughs) So I want them to homeschool like me, or I want them to go to public school like I went to and my children are, or maybe something else. Maybe they're dressing a certain way. You want them to reflect you. Yet this gathering is not about any of those things. It's not any of those things that we are to be after 
in coming to gather on this Lord's day. It's not a trendy word that you need for yourself. This gathering and the preaching of the word, it is to function as you hear the word of God, it is to function like a mirror where we see ourselves truly, perhaps in ways we've never seen before, like a mirror at home can't reflect who we truly are. And so the word preached functions this way where we see ourselves truly and we see the world for what it truly is. We're not being taken up with whatever winds of philosophy or teachings or trendy things going on. The word set before us is a mirror that shows us what all these things really are and who you really are. One pastor, he spoke candidly about what ought to be the primary business of the preacher. And he said this, he said, certain preachers They dream that it is their business to paint pretty pictures. But it's not so. We are not to design and sketch, but to simply give the reflection of truth. We are to hold up the mirror to nature in a moral and spiritual sense and let men see themselves therein. We have not even to make the mirror, but only to hold it up. And so that's my aim. That's my effort here this morning is to hold up the mirror for you and for me to see ourselves. Not the way that you see yourself. Not the way your family sees yourself. Not the way the world sees itself or you, but to see what God says and what he says of you and the world and everything else. So my prayer for us this morning is that we would look at the mirror and not turn away from it, nor ignore it or leave here the same as we were before. The mirror of the word, the mirror of the gospel, every single time we come in this gathering, or even reading it, may it change us. And it is to change us. And so we may well have many mirrors in our homes, but are we willing to see truly this morning to set ourselves before the mirror of God's word this morning? And I set that question before you because that's exactly what God is going to aim to do for you. Not to merely hear it, but to see it, to receive it, and to live by it. May that be our heart this morning. So let's turn to the mirror then and begin reading here, starting with verse 18. We'll start in verse 18 for the sake of context here. So may God bless the reading of his word. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits. Of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, 
slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now, as we began this book several, I guess, weeks ago now, I warned you, didn't I? (laughs) I warned you that James would challenge us, that he was like a bull. He wasn't going to just kind of wait for us along the way to get ready for whatever he's going to say. He's just going to keep on going. And we have seen that, haven't we? We have seen the bull just keep on going, and so that he has done. And he's not even finished yet. (laughs) Now, as you hear all that, me beginning with that warning, and now that you've heard James a number of times, that might make you want to kind of run for the hills. You know, I'm kind of feeling tired this Sunday, and the pastor's preaching through James, so I'm not going to (laughs) come. You know, I don't want to hear that this morning. Give me something else because it's too much. Give me something that will make me feel better. Lord, help me. This is too much. Woe is me kind of thing. I want to encourage you that rather than running for the hills, whether you're tired or whatever reason you may have, because James has tried us already quite a bit, To see that James, he is not trying to drive you to run to the hills. He's aiming to drive you to run to Christ again and again and again and again. That you see none of the resources come from you. It's only Christ. And so I just say lean into that. (laughs) It might hurt. It might challenge us. But we need that. And as believers, if you know Jesus Christ this morning, you want that. And so it is our plea, and may it be your plea, if this isn't your plea, point me to him, point me to my Lord, and don't stop doing that. Or if you're here and you don't know Christ this morning, That your plea would be, I have no idea what is wrong with me, why I struggle, why I get angry like James just was talking about there. So Lord, help me, and in that, drive me to you. 
to run to Christ. So may that be your response this morning. And this is exactly what James does. He drives us to run to Christ. And he begins doing this by addressing here the issue of actionless hearing. Actionless hearing. Now here we're still within the same terrain that James has been in. He's still considering what a garden filled with the implanted words of verse 21 or even the word of truth, verse 18, what that garden looks like. He desires for you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a gospel garden. (laughs) You know, flowering and living out a life that is word-driven, that is a gospel-defined life in all of life. And this is how we got here to these verses that we're reading here today. It's why he says in verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now hearing only, that is actionless hearing. A hearing that hears but doesn't hear, you know? Someone who looks at the mirror, but doesn't look at the mirror at the same time. You need to. (laughs) I don't know how it heard that, but it doesn't understand. We need to pray for eyes to hear and understand the gospel for Siri this morning. Didn't hear. (laughs) So someone who hears, but doesn't hear, back on track. So someone who looks at the mirror, but doesn't, it might be that they're reading the word, or doing maybe what we're doing right now, hearing the word of God preached, and it's, it's hearing all of this, but that's all. There's no more to it. And so he says that doing that, hearing only, it's a deception. It's a deception. So if you are a hear only, you are deceiving yourself. Now we can deceive ourselves along these lines in a couple of ways. And first, so hearing only, It can deceive you to think that you're religious. It can deceive you to think that you are religious. You can come and come to a service like this or come to a gathering or wherever it may be or even listen to a sermon on your phone and you can say, I've done my moral duty. You know, I have sat in church today. I have checked my religious box, so I have heard, and by somehow osmosis then, I am good, just by sitting in here. And so it's possible that Sunday after Sunday, you come and you hear the Bible preached, and it has absolutely no impact on you at all. It's just a ritual, 
It's just a habit. It's just a routine or even a bygone cultural expectation. That's, I think, where partially the nuns came from. Not N-U-N, but N-O-N-E-S. The nuns. They were in the church because it was the convenient thing to do. It was the cultural expectation. Well, now that's no longer the case. And they're nowhere to be found. Well, it could be that you are still here because of that bygone cultural expectation. It's simply part of what you do every single Sunday. And so there's no real hearing in it. And there's no, certainly then, no real doing in it either. Now it could be that the sermon or something in the service might move you though, emotionally. And yet all the the weeping and maybe you know the bowing, maybe you even come down in response and you bow in these steps and pray to the Lord, or even the raising of your hands in music as you're singing. They deceive us if we don't go on and be changed and be being changed. If we don't go on and do it. If we don't go on and be doers of the word. That is not really a gospel garden. And you need to understand that. What that is, it is just a barren plot. And that's not good. That, my friends, is a deception. And you may be right in the thick of it. So that's one. Second, deception. It can deceive you by hardening your heart to the word. It can deceive you by hardening your heart to the word. So doing what James is talking about here is a dangerous thing. It's like playing with fire, you know? Except it's not that you're, you're physically seared by the fire. In this case, what's seared is your heart. And it gets seared Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, only hearing not doing and what happens if we hear the word again and again and again maybe even all our lives and we do not do it our hearts become hard it leaves you and your heart less receptive than it was before this is part of what happened with israel I mean, they heard the prophets. They heard God's word again and again and again. And so often, they just went right on as though they didn't hear anything at all. Oh, judgment's coming? I don't care. I mean, I'm just going to hear you, sure. But I'm not going to listen to that. Forget you, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all you guys going around dressed all weirdly or not even dressed at all. 
And they went on deceiving themselves, right? As God, he says in Isaiah 65, you could even probably perhaps hear something of if God could cry the tears of God. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. And that kind of hearing, a hearing without hearing, can happen to you as well. Its deception can go deep, impacting you, impacting your family, even impacting the generations to come. Our hearing without hearing, it doesn't just affect us. It will affect our children as well. They see us. They see us as we come to church. They see our, our listening and they look at us and they say, they are only listening. They are not doing it. All of this is just words. And so the hard heart may be yours, but it goes right on. Even hardening your children's heart to really hearing the Word of God. And so they get that tradition. And they go on hearing. They come to church. They're here their whole lives. Yet they never really hear the Word of God. Because they've learned they can hear and not do, and it's just fine. This is Christianity. And they're in the church for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. They die and they go to hell because they never knew Jesus Christ. And so it's all deception. And James is warning us of this. All of us. And so rather than being deceived, see here that you're commanded to be doers of the word of God. And that's what it is. It's a command here. Verse 22 again. Be doers of the word. James, he is alluding here to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, or, or and or, Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Which if you remember, Jill read that a moment ago. And what kind of house is that house that does not do what the Lord says? It's a house without a foundation. And its ruin will be great. And so rather than being deceived, this morning consider your hearing. 
I'm not talking about your physical hearing. I'm talking about your spiritual hearing. Take heed to the mirror, right? Take heed to the mirror. It's not giving you an opinion. It's not telling you kind of. It's saying this. Be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So take heed to the mirror. Look over your life. Look back over the course of your life as you've read the Word of God, as you've heard the Word of God preached over and over and over again, could it be that you're just one of those children who saw your parents do it, and now you're just doing it as well? All hearing, no doing. Look at yourself and ask. Look at your heart. Hold it up to the mirror of God's Word and ask what is there. Is it a growing gospel garden or is it simply a barren plot and it's been that way for as long as you know so we need to do that consider your hearing and from this opening exhortation that James gives here he goes on to give us Two examples. And he's making a distinction here then between actionless hearing versus action-oriented hearing. So he begins here with a bad example. Verses 23 through 24. Now, I think you see it already. (laughs) But it's a rather odd example, isn't it? (laughs) A man, he looks intently at his face in a mirror, but then he goes away and he forgets everything. (laughs) It's odd. Now, I'll add to the oddness here because the word intently in these verses, it means this just wasn't kind of a cursory glance, you know. He didn't walk by a mirror and just kind of go like, well, yeah. He walks by a mirror and he stops and he looks at it. Ooh, there I am. (laughs) He takes some time, you know, looking at his face. And so he he looks at it carefully. He looks at it diligently. He's, He's like really trying to examine every aspect of his face. So he looks at it long and hard. He even gets perhaps a degree in physiognomy. If you don't know what that is, that's basically the study of the face. He's an expert on his face. Yet strangely, after being like amazed at himself or whatever he is, after all that, he goes away and he completely forgets what he looks like. It's absolutely strange, isn't it? Odd example. (laughs) And so he looks and he sees all the dirt. He sees all the grime. He sees all the filth like we saw in verses 19 through 21. And he goes away and he absolutely does nothing about it. And that's the point. It's nonsensical. It's like someone who attends church and hears the word their whole life and goes away 
unchanged every single time. And they forget everything. No thinking about the word throughout the week. No talking about it with your family. You forget it. It's gone. It never happened. It's like Israel. It's having the word show you who you really are. A mirror. It's having the mirror lifted up for you to see it like it's being done right now this morning. And you leave here as though nothing just happened. So you can see why it's deceiving. You can see why this is going to harden your heart if every single Sunday you're doing this. It's a fearful thing. Now, many of us like to have mirrors. Talked about that already. We like to have them all over the place, right, in our home. And I bet you that many of you have another mirror in your home. Not a physical mirror we've been talking about, but this one. And you probably have more than one. Yet could it be that we go on maybe reading these mirrors or not and just simply living lives of actionless hearing? Do you read it? Do you know it? Yes. Your life doesn't look like it. So actionless hearing doesn't really hear nor receive the word. Actionless hearing does not really hear nor receive the word. It gives off the illusion of hearing but does not really hear or receive or anything. So how do we know? How do we know if that's us? Well, people who really hear the word, they respond to it. They receive it. And as James says here, they do it. Yet this person is not doing that, the one who sees themselves in the mirror and goes away and forgets it all. And so we have the first example, the bad example, and from there he goes on and he gives us now in verse 25, the good example. The good example. It's a contrast and we see it very easily now, (laughs) how this is a contrast. Now this other person They look into the mirror of the perfect law and they don't just hear it. Now as we see this, what is this? What is the perfect law? What is he talking about here? Well, he's not talking about the Old Testament law. He says this law, it's the law of liberty. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a law that brings freedom, brings life, brings joy forever. It's the implanted word, the word of truth that God brought about because He brought it forth in us. 
And so this is interesting. James is saying the gospel, it does not leave off actions. It doesn't mean nothing. The person with the word implanted in them, they follow Christ. They follow His word. They do what He says. Not perfectly. We got that. I mean, everyone's saying that a million times in the pulpit over and over and over again. What we need to get is that those who know Jesus Christ, they have a house built on a rock so it will not fail. And they have a tree that is built upon Christ so it will bear fruit. Not because of you, but because of Christ. And so again, we see the tie to Matthew and Luke and Jesus' question there in Matthew, or Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? James is saying for believers, what is to be typical of us is that when the mirror is held up, we do respond. We do respond. We do act. The garden does not uh, not flourish. It blooms. Hence, action-oriented hearing really hears, really receives, and really acts. All of those. You can't receive without hearing. Nor can you act without receiving. Such that you are to hear the word this morning, right now, and say in response, by the grace of God, yes. By the grace of God, yes. And so practically, this would look like hearing God's word on anger and filth like we did last week. And responding to that, yes, I see that anger in me, the filth in my life. And I, by the grace of God, by the power of the Spirit of God, am going to throw it off. And so then you go into the weak. And that's what you do. You wrestle with yourself. You wrestle with those words from James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. You aim to get them in your life, to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And I don't know if, about you, but this week, the Lord tried me in that. <laughs> it's like the devil knew that I had heard or preached this this last Sunday. All right, let's see, what, let's see if you're going to do it. <laughs> Are you going to put it off? Are going to be slow to anger? But that's what we do. We wrestle with it. We see it happen. It makes us aware of the anger in our hearts. Maybe you were this week. You went into the week and you're like, man, I never saw that anger was there, but it is. Now by the grace of God, you're aiming with all you are to be a doer of the word. Being those things, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And so what it does, the word, it means for believers that we 
don't just hear it and it falls by the wayside, but we receive it and do it. Also, action-oriented hearing lives according to the implanted word. Lives according to the implanted word. So looking into the perfect law, it's not bad news for us. Why? Because what it says there, this is a law of liberty. For us who are in Christ, we live according to the freedom and the life that we have in Christ. This is not legalism. It's life that is the water for their garden, for our garden. Christ is our life. And so the mirror of the gospel then only spurs you on. It's it's this kind of pep rally for your soul. It's the flame that alights your thoughts, your hands, your feet, and your life. And so you go out from a service like this. You go out from a gathering of the body of Christ, armed with the gospel in your hands, in your mouth, on your feet, before you, around you, within you, with your eyes ever on your Lord and Master Jesus Christ. You take the Word of God and you wrestle with it because He is your Lord. Which leads us to this next point. Action-oriented hearing lives according to the joy of their Master. Verse 25, he will be blessed in his doing. He delights in God more, is conformed to Christ more, is defined more by the gospel and walks through life in the wisdom of the gospel and knows the joy of his master forever. And so hear the word this morning. This is for you to hear. This is a test case. (laughs) Will you be only a hearer? Or be a doer? May it be that we would be hearers, receivers, and doers of the word. Align your whole self towards gospel action. What does that mean? That means talk about this passage at home with your spouse. Talk about it with your children. Talk about it as a family. Talk about it in your home groups. Show your children what it means to listen, to receive it, and to do it. We're not just teaching our children how to endure this, whatever age they are. We're not teaching our children how to endure a sermon, but we are aiming to teach them to hear it even now. It's not for when they become adults. It's for children. It is for you now. And we want them to know the gospel and we want them to embrace it. 
So how can we model this? Whether you have children or not, well, you need to take notes. That's one way you can write out lessons for your life. You're hearing all these things. Either you're thinking them or writing them out. You're thinking, all right, this is what I'm going to do as I'm hearing this point. This is what I'm going to do as upon hearing this point. So write out how you will really, literally apply these words this morning. And not this kind of abstract, ethereal kind of thing. You are wanting to get it in your life. And so you fight for it. You will not, and it's even resolving that you will not go away merely as a hearer of the word. Don't leave deceived, friends. And this also means that you might need to admit that you don't know Christ this morning. That you have not known the law of liberty what you have really only known as a law or life of slavery. You don't know about this treasure we're talking about. You don't know about freedom. You don't know about your sins being forgiven completely and fully through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and through faith in Christ and Him alone. What you know is slavery. You haven't repented and put your faith in Him. You've just been here. And so see that there is life in Christ this morning. There is freedom. There is a real, true breaking of chains. See in Him, you see. See in losing your life, you find your life. See that when you build your house upon Christ... Nobody will ruin that house. And that house will not be moved because of Christ. See your call to repent and believe the gospel today. May you hear the word of the Lord this morning. May all of us lift up the mirror of God's word and consider the word today and hear it Receive it and do it. Let's pray. Father, we come again challenged by James. And I pray that as we all bow our heads and consider his words, your words. As we look in the mirror, you would help us to just simply lay ourselves before you and saying, Lord, do this in me. Help me be someone who hears, receives, and does your word. Help me to ponder these verses today and beyond today. Help these verses to be in me. Help me to listen and unashamedly point my family to listen. And if we don't have a family, 
or single or widowed or whatever we are. Or and we see we have a family here who's watching and listening. That we would be those who are doers of the word of God. And for those here who have seen this morning that they don't know Christ, may they not be driven to the hills, but run to the one who can save them, to Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.